Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Friday. We've got a very special treat today. Earlier this week on the television show on Just the News, No Noise, I had an opportunity to talk to some of the top China experts in the world. This was a special project that we did alongside our good friends at Heritage Action for America, basically the grassroots side of the Heritage Foundation. They have been working for months on coming up with strategies, both at the foundation and at the Hafa to counter the growing threat that China poses to U.S. economic and military superiority and to come up with meaningful solutions. Not just, oh, Joe Biden's not doing a good job, but here is what we can do. Here's what we can do on this with farmland. Here's what we can do on that with uh, TikTok. And, And they have developed a really extraordinary approach, including tackling ESG, the Environment Social Governance Movement in the United States, which is a American-flavored version of the Chinese Marxist social credit score. And all these things both have a great need for American education, American policy solvers, and then American action. And we just had some amazing conversations, including with the former National Security Advisor of the United States, Robert O'Brien. He had some amazing things to say. He just got back from Taiwan, some real big news in there. And then... Right after Robert O'Brien, we had an amazing conversation with another big player in the space, the current chairman of the House Special Committee on China. And those two conversations are really, really jaw-dropping. I, I was really struck by how much Congressman Mike Gallagher, the chairman of the committee, told us about what they're learning what the big threats are. What are some of the simple, simple, low-hanging fruit things that we failed at that if we just did, we'd have a leg up on China, like getting equipment to Taiwan, like doing a better job at understanding all the ways that China currently surveils and uses U.S. relations to gain intelligence on U.S. citizens, U.S. companies, U.S. military and government installations. So what we did today is adapt that television show, especially for this podcast, The New Cold War, Countering China. You're going to love this. It's a great conversation. I'm very proud of it. A big thank you to the National Security Advisor, to the Congressman, to all the heritage experts that came aboard. You're going to enjoy this. Have a listen. Hey, folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great 
and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain, and you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. Good evening, America, and welcome to this Just the News, Real America's Voice special report, Winning the New Cold War, a plan for countering China. I'm your host, John Solomon. Tonight, in partnership with our sponsor, Heritage Action for America, we're going to explore the ways in which China has begun usurping American dominance in the economic and security space around this great globe. And as the spy balloon episode just underscored, America's efforts to counter Chinese influence have faltered under our current president. It wasn't that long ago that the United States had taken the upper hand in the relationship under former President Donald Trump. A peace through strength approach to diplomacy and, and tariffs helped punish unfair trade practices. And that both of those sent a loud message to Beijing. Today, the White House is much more tepid on issues ranging from TikTok to Taiwan. Meanwhile, blue states like Michigan are welcoming China and its investments with open arms, sending tax dollars back to Beijing to the great concern of many. Tonight, we're going to explore with some of the nation's top experts on China how we can begin to disrupt the encroaching advances that Beijing is making both here at home and abroad. And we start that conversation tonight with a man who helped President Trump craft the strategy for uh, China over the last two years before Joe Biden, former National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien. John, great to be with you. We're lucky to have you because you just came back recently from a trip to Taiwan, which I think is ground zero for all we're learning about America's failed policies the last couple of years with China. Tell us what you heard on the ground, what you sensed on the ground while you were there. Well, the biggest concern of the Taiwanese people is that the American government and the American people will stand with them in the event of uh, either a a gray zone action by China, something akin to a blockade or cyber attack, some way to try and coerce Taiwan to reunify with China, or worse yet, an amphibious attack on China, which on Taiwan by China, which the Chinese have been talking about more and more since President Xi basically became the dictator for life at the last party Congress. So there's a lot of concern on the ground about Taiwan in Taiwan. They're concerned about 
uh, America and, and, and the democratic world, the free world, uh, coming to their aid in the event of a Taiwanese, uh, an invasion of Taiwan by the Chinese. Yeah, and I wonder, uh, and you would have a better sense of being on the ground, how much the failed and bungled Afghanistan withdrawal weighs into how Taiwan or any of our allies kind of size up this administration and its word of commitment. Does that kind of layer over everything that people feel right now in the region? You know, what's interesting, John, is the Chinese themselves, the Communist Party, as part of their influence operations in Taiwan, is using the Afghan withdrawal to try and demoralize the people of Taiwan and, and saying, look, the Americans aren't going to stand by you. Look at what happened in Afghanistan. And they actually show pictures of the, the C-5s and the C-17s rolling down the airport, uh, the runway at the Hamid Karzai airport, and people falling off and chasing the aircraft. And, and their, their message is, is not very subtle. It's this is going to happen to you, so you better cut a deal with us. And uh, of course, I, I don't think that's true. I think America will stand by Taiwan. We understand how important it is geopolitically but also to our supply chains. 90% of the top uh, chips that come from uh, TSMC are the, the, the small nanometer chips that we use in our defense products and our consumer products. Those come from Taiwan. So we can't give that to the Chinese or allow the Chinese to capture the chip market. That would be a disaster for the world economy and for our national security, of course. Yeah. I want to go back just a couple of years. It feels like it's an eternity, but it was just a couple of years ago when America had a coherent and cogent China policy. And I wonder if you could remind people some of the amazing things that uh, the Trump administration under your leadership did, the revival of the quad, the, the some of the, the trade uh, penalties. It seemed to really send the right message to China. Where were we just a couple of years ago? Well, look, President Trump called our policy America first. But for, for those of us conservatives, and John, you remember these days, uh, well, in the Reagan years, we called it peace through strength. And we, we had a lot of peace in the world. There was no invasion of Ukraine. Afghanistan was, was relatively stable. Uh, we were getting peace treaties in the Middle East with multiple countries and Israel. Uh, we were we saw the, the normalized the diplomatic relations between Serbia and Kosovo and the economic relations there. And so we were getting peace, but the reason those peace deals were coming to us, the reason Taiwan was safe, the reason Ukraine was safe is because America was strong and the perception of America was strong. And, and of course, under President Trump's leadership and his team with Secretary Pompeo and John Radcliffe and Rick Grinnell and, and others on the, the national security team that I was privileged to be part of, we projected that strength. And, and our adversaries understood that, that there were lines. If we set a red line, don't cross it because the United States won't tolerate it. And our, and our partners understood and our allies understood that we'd be there by their side. And so that created a much freer, safer world for the Americans, but also for our partners. It did. It's amazing when America speaks with strength and it, it backs it up with actions, how quickly the rest of our allies and our adversaries react to it and adapt to it. Um, as you look out now, we have these really, these extraordinary moments of sort of shaky relations. France kind of signaling to China, hey, maybe if you want to do something with Taiwan, we'll, we'll go along with it if it's peaceful. Uh, how do we get our own coalition back behind the United States? What's the most important message the Biden administration can say right now that'll get people to realize we're serious about China again? Well, talk is important and, and diplomacy is important, but actions speak louder than words and in all walks of all parts of our life and in certainly in international affairs. So right now, the Taiwanese have $21 billion in arms that they've ordered from the United States. None of it's been delivered. And so that sends a message to the people of Taiwan, but also the people of China, that we're not serious. So we need to get those arms delivered. 
But we also need to, to redeploy our forces. We need to get forces out into the Pacific and in Guam and Hawaii and the Aleutian Islands and even as far afield as California. And we need to pull some of the, that, those troops back from Germany. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't support Ukraine. That's a critical fight. And we need to be behind the Ukrainian people. But we need to start pivoting to Asia to show that we're going to stand up for our allies and partners. And, and it, the, the Indo-Pacific is the future of the world. It's the future of the world economy. So much of our economy is dependent on the Indo-Pacific. We need to be there. We need to be there in force. And that will deter China from attacking Taiwan. That will keep the peace. And, and that, that's what we need to do immediately. Once, once we start moving our forces into place, we deploy the hypersonic weapons that we started developing under the Trump administration, we get the arms to Taiwan. That's the sort of message that will, will deter our adversary, China, but will also rally our friends to us. And, and they'll, they'll see that we're serious, that it's not, we're not just talking shop, that we're walking the walk. Yeah, so important. When you look at the current administration's policy, a lot of people look at it and say they're so obsessed with getting China's cooperation on climate change that they're willing to yield lots of things, including closing down the FBI's uh, comprehensive look at spies in academia, allowing China to uh, roll up the EV battery market and leave the United States in an extraordinary uh, disadvantage there. Uh, how is that playing out? How does China read those things? And are they just simply taking advantage of our green lust right now in the Biden administration? Well, look, I think they're astounded by it. Uh, they, they can't believe it. In, in fact, I think they're so astonished by the, the, some of the things that we're doing that we continue to allow Confucius Institutes to operate at American universities. And these institutes are used, A, as a spying operation to, to bring American technology back to China illegally, but also to intimidate Chinese students and expats and to, to set the tone of debate on, on university campuses about what's acceptable with China. No, no criticism of China or your, your university won't get funded. So we've got these Confucius Institutes. We've got to shut them all down. We've got TikTok. People were upset by the spy balloon. And by the way, the spy balloon was terrible. Right. It was a total gross invasion of our sovereignty. We, you know, we'd never had anything like that in the Trump administration, despite what people had, had claimed at the outset of the crisis. But as bad as the spy balloon was, we've got TikTok on 100 million phones in America, gathering data, biometrics, passwords, uh, it's sucking up you know, geolocations on, on, on American citizens, including those of our, our citizens who serve in the military. So we, we got to ban TikTok, which we tried to do at the end of the Trump administration. The Biden administration reversed it. They're now talking about maybe doing something, but we've got to get rid of TikTok. We've got to get rid of the Confucius Institutes. We're allowing the Chinese to buy farmland all over America, especially next to our critical military bases, like in Grand Forks, North Dakota, and at Laughlin Air Force Base in Texas. Imagine American companies buying property in China next to the rocket forces and putting American citizens there to, to quote, work the, the land and work the factories. Can you imagine the Chinese allowing us to do that? It would never happen. So there's just things that we have to get on right away. The, the fact that the FBI had shut down their China initiative, uh, I, don't, I don't think that's something Christopher Ray probably wanted to do. He's been right. very good on China, but I'm sure he was forced to by the administration. We've got to get that back in place and the FBI needs to start focusing on Chinese spies and less on some of the political activities that are taking place here in America. So, so there's a whole range of activities we can do. But going back to your initial question, John, I think the Chinese are astounded that we haven't undertaken them. They're astounded that they can uh, ban Twitter and Facebook and Google in China, but that TikTok is running rampant here in America. 
uh, you know, I, I think they're probably a little confused by it. it, it it's it's so uh, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, and, and many Americans are too. They're like, "What's going on? We're better than this." Um, I want to ask a little bit about one of China's Achilles' heels. Obviously, it's made enormous strides in its military capabilities. It's rolling up resources and making friends in, in the neighborhoods where America used to be the sole proprietor. Africa, South America. But one place where China still can't survive, they need access to our markets and our capital. How important a lever is that in the next few years for maybe uh, conforming China's behavior by constricting access here to U.S. markets? It's critically important, John. That's what a great question. Uh, one of the things that Larry Kudlow and I did at the end of the administration with Eugene Scalia, uh, we cut off the investment by the Thrift Savings Plan, the, the right. U.S. government retirement program. For, we cut off their investment in uh Chinese companies, because those companies weren't just civilian companies, they were also dual use companies They were making warships and planes. So we were in the absurd position of taking our military members retirement funds and investing them in Chinese shipyards and airplane manufacturing uh, factories that were going to then produce warships and fighter jets to kill our American sailors and soldiers, Marines, airmen, who were putting the money into it. So we've got to cut off access to Wall Street. Xi Jinping is doing something very smart. He understands that if there's an invasion of Taiwan, that the first response from America will be economic. And we'll, you know, we could nationalize the Chinese debt, we could put sanctions on him. He's trying to sanction-proof the Chinese government because if he can get enough, if he can get a trillion or two trillion dollars in US investment in China, he'll be able to offset the effect of any sanctions that we put on him or any, any asset freezes of Chinese uh, uh, assets abroad by doing the same to American assets in China. So. They're trying to suck in as much Wall Street money as they can right now. Wall Street, unfortunately, is going along with it willy-nilly. They they have this belief that we're in decline and that China's on the ascendancy and, right. and they want to invest in China. But all they're really doing is putting their shareholder and their retiree money at risk because as soon as there's a war and we take economic action against China, China's going to roll up all those U.S. investments and, uh, and keep them for themselves. A yeah. uh, real big concern. Yeah, it is. And we're playing right into the hands right now by not acting yeah. more aggressively. You took some of the most important actions uh, at the end of the Trump administration. Um, another thing that doesn't get a lot of credit from the Trump administration, but when you talk to world leaders, they thought this is one of the most important things, the revival of the Quad and sort of getting the yeah. Quad agreements into something that would one day maybe look like a NATO for the Pacific. How important is that to get a stronger and stronger military alliance with better coordination uh, with our great allies in the Pacific Rim? <laughs> So the, the quad is, is critical, and John, thanks for bringing that up. And it was it was something that we revived in the Trump administration. It, it had been uh, around for about 15 years, but it, it had gone dormant. And that's the diplomatic club between India, Japan, Australia, and the U.S., the, the key powers that could constrain China in the Pacific and that could promote our values and protect our way of life, both diplomatically and economically, but, but also on a military front. Now, it hasn't expanded into a military alliance, but it could. And, and, and it's one of the deterrents for China going into Taiwan. China's watching very closely what's happening with Ukraine. And, and I think one of the things that scared Xi Jinping the most and, and caused the most concern, I'm not sure if he gets scared, but at least concerns him, is the fact that F Finland and Sweden, both long-term neutral countries, responded to the Russian invasion of Ukraine by joining NATO. Well, F Finland's been accepted. Uh, Sweden's attempting to join and, and probably will within the next few months. And... I think that the Chinese are looking, the Chinese communists are looking at the Quad, which could be expanded to include South Korea, New Zealand, maybe even Vietnam, which is not a democracy, but it has a strong interest in defending its sovereignty against China. And you could have a, a, an Indo-Pacific NATO arising out of the Quad. So 
Uh, it's, it's an incredibly important diplomatic relationship. We were proud to, to get it back on, take it off life support and, and, and reinvigorate it. And, and this is one thing I'll give the Biden folks some credit for. Uh, I, I don't give a lot of credit for things, but but they have done a pretty good job with, with our relationship with Japan uh, and, and with India. It's got to be more robust. It's got to be more vigorous, but they, they have kept the quad uh, process going. And that's critical to the United States of America and our partners if we're going to confront China, a very assertive and aggressive China in the Indo-Pacific. Yeah. So we've got about a minute left. I just want to ask about this. Uh, is supply chain, fixing the supply chain so we have more insourcing here and maybe switching some of our supply chain to a friendlier nation like India, is that a twofer that could win for America? Yeah, and if we don't do it, we're going to be we're going to constantly be at the uh, mercy of the Chinese Communist Party, and we saw that with COVID, John. I know you were involved in reporting on those issues. Right. At the outset of COVID, the Chinese could corner the market on PPE, on on face masks, on ventilators, and that sort of thing, and and so everyone was dependent on all countries all over the world were dependent on China, but it, it's not just PPE and, and and it's it's pharma, it's precursors for pharmaceutical for basic pharmaceuticals and antibiotics. It's chips, and so that's why one reason why Mike Pompeo and I supported the Chips Act. We don't like to talk about industrial policies, Republicans. I certainly don't, but we need to get the chip makers back here. And we look, we're not going to be able to manufacture everything in America. The more we can, the better. The more we can bring back from China and, and, and reinvigorate our Midwest and our manufacturing base. But if we can't do it economically here, let's do it in Mexico. Let's do it in Central America, South America, uh, India for sure, Vietnam. Let's have trusted partners and not be reliant on the Communist Party of China for everything from rare earth materials and minerals to, to chips to pharmaceuticals. I mean, the, the fact that we put ourselves in a position that Xi Jinping can dictate to us in, in these areas that are so, you mentioned earlier, batteries, electric vehicles, and autonomous vehicles. Ford Motor Company is going to build a, a plant with the Chinese Communists uh, for KTL in Detroit. Now, Glenn Youngkin, to his credit, turned it down and said, I'm not going to subsidize uh, Chinese battery plant in America. Right. But unfortunately, the Democratic governor of, of Michigan, uh, Gretchen Whitmore, said, bring out, bring the Chinese in. Let's let's build a big Chinese battery plant here. I mean, after the spy balloon to do that, that's that's just crazy. But it is. Uh, we need to we need to have our own battery supply here. We need to have our own rare earth minerals. We need to, to go back to energy independence and finish the Keystone Pipeline and, and continue to supply energy to bring manufacturers home to this country. A steady energy supply will do that. So these are all things within our control, John. That's the good news is the Chinese can't dictate to us, but we need to take actions and self-help measures to, to make America strong again. You're making us all nostalgic for just two years ago when we had such a clear plan. Mr. Ambassador, what a great honor to have you on the show. A great, uh, really, strategy session, too. There's so many great ideas here that the Biden administration could glob onto today, start to change this dynamic. We're going to have to see if they have the courage to do so. But great honor to have you on, sir. I really appreciate your time. Privilege to be with you, John. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, if you get your wallet stolen or your cell phone or your car, we know what it is. It's old-fashioned theft. It's crime. We know it. Criminals now have a new way to steal our most valuable asset, our homes. Older Americans are most vulnerable to these types of thefts, and that's because they more often own their homes outright. An 88-year-old Florida woman recently discovered that scammers forged her signature, created a fake deed to her home, and then took her property. Those who buy a property from a deed theft scammer often become victims as well. What can you do to protect yourself? It's simple. 
My good friends at Home Title Lock provide the premier detection technology to protect your home and its title. The instant they detect an activity or something suspicious, they mobilize to help shut it down. We won't know a thief took us off our title until it's too late. That's why Title Lock jumps into action right away. The titles to all our homes are easily found online. A criminal or renter, even a family member, can simply forge a signature on a home sale form. Then he or she refiles as the new owner and bam, your home is not in your name and all of a sudden debts are being taken out against it. That's why Home Title Lock is my choice. Find out for free when you use my code JUSTNEWS at sign up. You'll get a free comprehensive scan of your home's title and 30 days of legendary home title lock protection free. So go to hometitlelock.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS at hometitlelock.com. Go there today. Folks, Field of Greens is the healthiest thing I do every day, and I want you on this journey with me. Why? It's literally one scoop a day. It tastes great. I love the fruit flavors particularly, and it's completely improved my life and my health. This is nutrition the way nature intended. When I began taking a hard look at why I wasn't feeling good and why I felt unhealthy, why I was gaining weight, why I was losing energy, it wasn't just because I had hit my 50s. No, it was because I wasn't getting the right amount of fruit and vegetables in my diet. And listen, I'm just too busy to go to the store, clean up the vegetables, cook uh, uh, vegetable dinners, and make sure I hit the fruit. A field of greens stepped in. One scoop of powder in my drink or on my eggs in the morning and boom, I was off and feeling better. And suddenly I was losing weight. I was sleeping better. My metabolism went up. My blood sugar went down. My cholesterol went down and my weight went down. And my doctor said, hey, whatever you're doing, keep it doing. You know what that is? It's Field of Greens. That's what I've been doing. Field of Greens is radically different. Each organic fruit and vegetable was medically chosen to support heart and vital organ health. I trust Field of Greens to keep me healthy. I promise you, you're going to love this product. But if for any reason you don't, they'll give you 100% money back guarantee. Now, you're going to get 15% off your first order plus free rush shipping because of the incredible partnership we have here at Just the News with Brick. House Nutrition, and of course, Field of Greens. All you got to do to take advantage of this offer, visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Don't wait. Go to fieldofgreens.com today. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS for 15% off. Welcome back, America. We're going to continue our conversation now with one of the people leading the most important congressional investigation involving China right now in the Congress. He is Congressman Mike Gallagher from the great state of Wisconsin. He joins us right now. Congressman, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. In the block just before this, we had a pretty uh, robust conversation with the former National Security Advisor, Robert O'Brien. And everybody in the world is worried about where we are with Taiwan, what China might do in the weakness of the Biden administration with Taiwan. Tell us what you've been learning through the great work you're doing with your committee. Well, when I was in Taiwan a couple months ago, uh, probably my biggest takeaway was that we need to actually deliver the weapons that they've purchased that have been approved, but are backlogged right now. There's a $19 billion backlog. And I think one of the clear lessons of the war in Ukraine is that only hard power deters. The vague threat of sanctions or you know, mean tweets coming out of the State Department doesn't give us a chance at deterrence. Only hard power deters. So if we don't want to experience a massive deterrence failure like that we see in Ukraine, we need to make sure we're surging hard power to the Indo-Pacific. And the Biden administration is just not moving 
with a sense uh, of urgency. Uh, the head of Indo-Pacific Command told me two weeks ago that he wasn't concerned about stockpiles of key munitions in the region. That's crazy. I mean, every war game I've played, we run out of key munitions very quickly. So there's a lot more we need to be doing. We need to be moving heaven and earth in order to enhance deterrence across the Taiwan Strait because we don't want a massive conventional war uh, with China. The final thing I'd say, John, is I, for whatever reason, we tend to discount what dictators like Xi Jinping say when they're speaking to their own people or party members. But Xi Jinping keeps saying that he wants to unify Taiwan with the mainland by force if necessary. And for Wall Street or the Biden administration to discount that possibility, I think is incredibly geopolitically naive. Do you have some sense of why the Pentagon has this laissez-faire sort of approach to this? I mean, the threat is real. When you talk to the admirals on the front lines of the Pacific fleet, they know that it's a real threat. Why the slowness? Does Ukraine and maybe some of these other woke issues uh, distract them from actually getting the job done in Taiwan? Well, the uh, the growth of the, the DEI cottage industry and, and all the woke issues has definitely been a distraction. Um, it also, in my opinion, has had a dampening effect on recruitment. Um, I think perhaps a broader issue, though, is that the, the Biden administration is conflicted. Um, there are some who think that China is the, the main issue, uh, and a lot of them pay lip service to that. But if you actually read the national security strategy, if you actually listen to what top officials are saying, it's clear that the top issue for them is climate change. And a lot of people, like former Secretary of State John Kerry, think naively that you can somehow cooperate with Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party when it comes to climate change, as if he cares about commitments made at COP27. So those competing issues really create an incoherent approach. And now you have this other issue where if you, you know, listen to Janet Yellen's speech last week, right. um, clearly they're also trying to engage economically, go back to the sort of engagement hypothesis that failed before. And so it's sort of this weird conflicting policy that I think undermines um, our ability to actually prioritize the Pacific, prioritize hard power. Final thing I'd say is if you look at the Pentagon strategy, the cornerstone of it is this concept of integrated deterrence. I think this is a very dangerous concept because it basically means you can somehow substitute soft power for hard power, substitute non-military instruments and still have a greater deterrent effect. I just don't think that's the case. And it really, again, it undermines our focus and our urgency. Yeah, I think history has shown only peace through strength works. Any other options have never really succeeded. So I want to talk a little bit about the work of the committee. You are doing some of the most important work in Congress. And in many ways, Congress is ahead of the Biden administration in trying to get this country prepared for what lies ahead. Uh, what has been some of the most surprising information you've learned as you've dug in and gotten access to some of the, uh, the intelligence and other things that we're now learning about China's intentions? Well, I continue to be shocked at, at the divide between, let's say, the National Security Community when it comes to Taiwan, where I think there's an increasing consensus that we're in the window of maximum danger, that this could really heat up, uh, particularly starting next year when Taiwan has an election and we also have an election and might be distracted. But if you then talk to Wall Street, they just have a totally different view of this. And they think, well, Xi Jinping would never invade Taiwan. It wouldn't be in his economic interest. And that divide is really dangerous. So the more that I engage with people in different communities outside the national security community, the more I sense gaps. Um, and that's a problem. I mentioned wargaming earlier. 
you know, we tend not in from a military perspective to include financial and economic competition or escalation or warfare when we do these war games. And that creates a huge gap. It creates a disconnect in our strategy. Again, look at Ukraine to see the dangers of, of sort of trying to make up a sanctions regime on the fly. So that's one thing I will say I've, I've been struck in the early work at the amount of uh, bipartisanship yeah. uh, on the issue, or let's say um, so thus far, Republicans and Democrats on the committee are talking in very clear language about the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party. One of the, for example, one of the first events we did was I held a rally outside uh, one of these illegal Chinese Communist Party police stations uh, in the heart of Manhattan. And I was joined by a Democratic member of the committee, Richie Torres, who was talking in very strong language about it. That's the final thing. This issue of transnational repression. You know, I think everything I've seen thus far really hammers home the point that this isn't some distant over there threat. This isn't a matter of some obscure territorial claim in the South China Sea. This is really a threat to our sovereignty, whether it's yeah. through illegal police stations or the Chinese spy balloon drifting over nuclear facilities. I, I don't think that the um, the threat posed by the CCP is going to be contained within China's borders. I think it's a global threat and increasingly they want to export their model of total techno totalitarian control around the world. Yeah, and I think your early work on the committee has been inviting. You've actually given room for Democrats who I think were repressed by Nancy Pelosi to actually come forward and express the concerns they apparently had in private for the last few years. I want to pivot to an oddity that goes on right now. You mentioned Wall Street, and that's one of the great challenges we have. Uh, a second one is we have states like Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, that are willing to invite the Chinese in uh, and literally give hundreds of millions of dollars of tax incentives to assist China, which wants to take over the entire global battery market. How troublesome is it that states are sometimes undercutting a larger national strategy? It's incredibly concerning. And time and again, we've just seen, you know, what, what do politicians want, right? They want the photo and the ribbon cutting and they want credit for all these jobs being created. And, and they're not stepping back to think, OK, where where where's this money coming from? In this case, it's even more perverse because it's taxpayer money that could right. then uh, presumably enrich the Chinese Communist Party. I think as we look at this issue, uh, there's a few principles we need to keep in mind. One is, at least in key areas like uh, pharmaceuticals, um, microelectronics, I would say um, uh, uh, energetics, AI, quantum, we need to reclaim our economic independence. We can't be dependent on China for critical technology and the provision of critical goods, because if we find ourselves in a confrontation with them kinetically, they'll weaponize those supply chains. They threatened to cut off the export of pharmaceuticals in the early parts of the right. pandemic to plunge us into a sea of coronavirus. So we're gonna have to figure out a way to onshore, nearshore key industries and wean ourselves off our dependency on China. The other thing is we look at the flow of US capital to China. We need to make sure that we're not funding our own destruction. We do not want to be sending American money or making American investors dependent on the health of the Chinese military or on the success of their genocidal project in Xinjiang, which is why I think it makes sense to cut off the flow of U.S. capital to key industries or the ability of certain asset managers to get rich off PLA's military modernization or genocide. This is the most difficult aspect of the competition. I can wrap my head easily around the military side of the competition, right. the ideological human rights side I can wrap my head around. When it comes to economic statecraft and this difficult process of economic, selective economic decoupling, it's very complex because for over two decades, 
We've been integrating China into the global economy. We've been naive. They took advantage of our naivety. They pocketed all the gains. They made none of the concessions. They didn't turn into a responsible stakeholder. Now we have to reverse it. There's no easy way to do it, but we can start by making sure that governors in states like Michigan don't have a, a naive and counterproductive view of the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, so important. So we got about a minute left. I just want to ask us, we're heading into the summer. What are the things we should be looking at from from your committee to enrich us all a little bit more on a strategy and on learning more about China's threat? Well, we're going to be doing a series of hearings this summer. Uh, one is on the AI race uh, with China we're going to explore. And then the other is on economic and financial competition, uh, hopefully with uh, some prominent voices like Peter Robinson, who can tell us about the lessons that we learned um, in the old Cold War with the Soviet Union, and they can be applied to the new Cold War with communist China. Throughout all of it, I really have two you know, sort of uh, uh, core functions in mind. One is to explain to our colleagues and the American people why this matters, why someone should care about the threat posed by the Chinese Communist Party in Green Bay, Wisconsin, or in Washington, D.C. Uh, but the other is to uh, make sure we're collecting the absolute best legislation and policy initiatives on China that we can actually pass this Congress and get some stuff done, even in a divided Congress. That's what the speaker asked us to do, and that's what we're, we're doing right now. Progress, even among division. That's what your committee's been doing already. A lot of people, the eyes of the world, really, are watching all the great work you're doing, <laughs> sir. What a great honor to have you on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Enjoyed Thank it. Thank you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more of this conversation right after these messages. Folks, Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, plus veggie, and so much more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutritional-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy. What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. If you're like me and have a busy schedule, that the last thing you want to worry about is what to eat or having to go to the grocery store. Factor makes it easy. As they are flexible to your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, usually in just two minutes. So there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash justnews50 and use the promo code justnews50 to get 50% off. That's the code justnews50 at factormeals.com. One more time, factormeals.com slash justnews50. Use the justnews50 code and you will get 50% off your first order. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. 
You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Welcome back, America. So much conversation in the last few months in American dinner tables about the threat China poses, the China spy balloon, TikTok, among the two things that really prompted a very healthy conversation. Well, our next guest, he's been involved in trying to craft the solutions, the policy solutions to help America fight and win what is clearly now a Cold War. Joining us right now is Jeff Smith, the Director of Asian Studies uh, Center at the Heritage Foundation. Jeff, great to have you on the show. It's good to be with you. Thanks for having me. Uh, This document is, everyone in Washington's been talking about this document. It's so important. The new Cold War, a plan for countering China. What was the inspiration behind this? And tell us about some of the collaborators on it. Yeah, so this was a uh, heritage-wide collaboration. So we brought in uh, in in-house scholars from across various disciplines, military experts, economics experts, legal experts, uh, tech experts, you know, we really tapped the uh, Heritage Foundation expertise in in such a broad way that also, frankly, underscored the scope of the challenge. The fact that we needed to bring in all these different experts brought home how multifaceted the threat from China really is. And it wasn't just in-house. We also consulted with a wide range of coalition partners um, and conservative institutions and and former administration officials really from across the movement to bring together uh, a wide range of of expertise to contribute to what's now over a 100 page paper looking comprehensively at the threat from China. Yeah. And I think people hear the word Cold War and they think, well, that was the Soviet Union. That was 50 years ago. The answer is no, we're in the midst of another one. How does this fit the definition of Cold War? What is the object of uh, the war and what does winning look like? That's a great question. Uh, There are differences uh, from our rivalry with the Soviet Union, and I think that's okay. Not all hot wars look the same, and there's no hard rule that says every Cold War has to be apples to apples comparison. Um, and, and there are some important differences in, in the sense that China is more dangerous an adversary than the Soviet Union was because they have far more economic capability and power than the Soviet Union ever did, which was a military powerhouse, but, uh, but never an economic peer of the United States. But China also has the advantage that we have essentially opened up our society to China and our economy to China following this, you know, free trade engagement first enterprise for so many decades. We're now exposed to China in ways we never were to the Soviet Union. And so we have other vulnerabilities that we need to account for and correct for here in the United States that in some ways make this more dangerous than the last Cold War. 
Yeah, that's such a great point. Uh, so many of the people I talked to in the intelligence community mentioned that, which is our effort to kind of perestroika, try to create a perestroika where China actually opened up China. They took advantage of it and they have so much more information about us than the Soviets ever did. Um, on that front, you have uh, all sorts of remarkable recommendations in this paper. What are some of the most important ones? What are the policy solutions that have the best chance of tipping the balance in favor of the United States in this competition with, with China? Great question. Uh, we've got a lot. We've got over 100 policy recommendations in the executive summary alone. Uh, one that's been forefront of my mind lately, ban TikTok. We need to stop the bleeding. There's a, a CCP Trojan horse espionage app on the phone of who knows, 100 million Americans. Uh, it's leaking uh, information to the CCP every single day. I think we need to start and cut that off. Uh, we also make the case that we need to ban CCP lobbyists. Uh, they shouldn't be lobbying the federal government or state government officials. We're not allowed to lobby Chinese government officials in Beijing. Uh, we, we should not be allowing that here. Yeah. We should not be allowing the purchase of sensitive farmland near military installations. I mean, this is basic common sense stuff that any great power should be doing to protect its citizens and its economy and its state secrets. And we've simply been asleep at the wheel for too long. Yeah, that's a great description of sleep of the wheel. I hear that a lot when you talk to people in the intelligence community or in the military that really understand that threat. Um, one of the places that I think I've read this report a couple of times, and I had some great conversations with ambassadors and uh, John Bolton, others about it. Um, the insinuation of China into our supply chain, whether it's on batteries in the clean energy front or food on that, or medical and medicine and pharmaceuticals, really significant strategy that China's executed for 20 years, pretty much uncountered until the last few months. How important is it for America to reclaim its supply chain and to create a sort of decoupling from the, the, the dependence that China wanted to create? Incredibly important. And COVID-19 really brought that fact home to us and those vulnerabilities home to us when we realized how many of even our basic pharmaceutical products were reliant on supply chain originating in China. And that even in cases short of conflict with China, these supply chains could be disrupted by draconian policies in Beijing or retaliatory economic coercion measures. I mean, who knows what that would look like in an actual conflict situation. And so that's really woken us up. And, and, and the number of industries where China has essentially gained a stranglehold is, is remarkable and concerning and worrying. And this was, uh, you know, an element that we didn't really consider for so long because we were enamored with this idea that globalization has taken over. We're all free traders. Uh, supply chains are global. And so there's no need to worry about these national security considerations. You know, the era of great power competition is over. Well, frankly, that's not true. And um, we need to do a much better job of ensuring that the critical supply chains are either, and in the paper, we encourage several efforts along this line, but one of the things is encouraging reshoring production back to the United States, nearshoring to destinations closer to the United States in the Western Hemisphere, and friendshoring to strategically aligned countries like India, where the risk of supply chain disruptions is much lower. Yeah, wow, such a great uh, strategy. India uh, uh, and has a real interest, I think, in countering China as well. So they're a natural ally in this 
in this endeavor. Uh, Jeff, I want to ask a little bit about uh, the need of China still for capitalization from America and uh, obviously uh, a marketplace here in America, really key to their economy. That gives us some leverage that, with the exception of a few things in the Trump administration, hasn't really been fully exercised by the United States. How important is it to use access to capital markets, use access to uh, commercial markets to try to force China to change some of its behavior? Well, I'm not too encouraged by the prospect of convincing China to change its behavior. Yeah. Um, they, you know, I, I, I'm not certain how effective that strategy will be. The Chinese are very determined and committed. And you do identify something important, though, which is that China does still value access to cheap capital in the U.S. And even more than that, they value access to Western technology. Yeah. And so we do still have a few cards to play, and I'm glad to finally see some serious efforts being made to restrict high-end technology exports to China and restrict uh, some of the inbound investments they've been making in the United States. But it's essentially been a free-for-all Wild West for far too long, and one of the most important things we need to do in the next few years is reform our system of export controls, of screening inbound investments into the United States, and, and, and lastly, screening outbound investments, what U.S. money is going into China and what they're investing in. Because right now, there's very little oversight on the billions of dollars that are flowing into China, in some cases, investing in advanced AI companies and technology companies that feed the capabilities of the People's Liberation Army, we need to do a much better job both monitoring and restricting those investments that are against the national security interests of the United States. The, um, the optics of the U.S. relationship with China have been really impacted by the Biden administration, whether it was the first summit in Alaska, where we kind of got dissed on our own territory, to uh, letting the spy balloon traverse the entire United States before it was taken down, and that becoming sort of a wake-up moment for Americans. Has the, the sort of perceived weakness of the Biden administration on China policy emboldened China to maybe take a shot at Taiwan? Is that a real threat in the next few years that China might try to force a reunification with Taiwan? I, d I do think it's a real threat. Um, and we know that Xi Jinping has ordered the PLA to be ready to seize Taiwan by 2027. There are other indications that China may believe its window for doing so is shrinking and that it's sort of re reached maximum relative power vis-a-vis um, -vis the US and Taiwan. And so that's another dangerous scenario is if it believes that over time its window is shrinking or it believes that the United States response will be inadequate, either because of weak leadership or the changing military balance of power, that might provoke China to make a move sooner than it even planned to. And so absolutely, it's a risk. You know, is it more than 50 percent? No. But even if it's 5% or 10%, the results yeah. would be so catastrophic that we need to be prepared for this yesterday. Yeah, that's such a great point. Jeff, you've done such amazing work with your colleagues at Heritage Foundation. What is the best way for people to get those 100 plus policy recommendations for winning the Cold War? I think everyone should read it. Well, the good news is you don't have to read all 110 pages. 
to get to the policy recommendations. We have an executive summary yeah. that's posted on the website. We also have a fairly easy to navigate web page. So you can uh, identify the table of contents and just what sections you're most interested in, whether it's protecting the U.S. economy, whether it's reorienting our defense postures to the Indo-Pacific, uh, whether it's arming Taiwan or protecting from CCP apps in the United States. Uh, you can easily navigate to each of those sections on the Heritage website. Yeah, I've had many people say to me since it came out, it's one of the most important pieces of thought leadership on China policy in a very long time. And congratulations to you and all your colleagues for making that available to the American public. It's an important Thank you, piece sir. of work. Great to have you on the show today, sir. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome back, America. A lot of times Americans look at the foreign policy stage and say, listen, I can't get in the middle of two superpowers like China and the United States. Well, that's simply not true. As we learned earlier this year with the effort to ban TikTok, which started in a small grassroots movement in South Dakota, went to the governor of South Dakota, now spread across the country, you, everyday Americans like you and I, we have a role to play in this big uh, battle that lies ahead of our country. And our next guest knows a little bit about organizing grassroots organization, uh, uh, efforts. She's the vice president of field operations for Heritage Action for America, our sponsor tonight. And she's our good friend, Janae Strachey. Janae, great to have you back on. Thank you for having me. So I think a lot of people took a look at TikTok and said, oh my gosh, in a few short months, we went from nobody having a conversation on TikTok to bans in more than half the states and a federal ban in the process. Tell us how everyday Americans in the grassroots prompted that sort of TikTok revolt. 
I mean, Americans all across this country are increasingly becoming aware of the threat that the Chinese Communist Party or the CCP poses to our security, our everyday way of life. And uh, TikTok has brought that conversation to the forefront. I mean, it's on millions of Americans' devices, every kids and adults. And so while TikTok has brought that conversation to the forefront, we know that the CCP has been sinking their teeth into our institutions, our, our uh, corporations, whether it's controlling or weakening our corporations through ESG policies, it's uh, Confucius institutions on our universities. The CCP has taken every step they can to buy up our land and uh, somehow infiltrate uh, our American way of life, weaken our economy, our businesses, our our infrastructures, and uh, to be spying on us through TikTok. So I'm, I'm grateful that TikTok has been uh, bringing that conversation to the forefront. And as you said, it has been Americans that have been um, waking up and calling on their elected officials to uh, fight back and do something about this. And thankfully, uh, Heritage Action has been working with states all across this country, you mentioned South Dakota, there are a number of other states passing meaningful legislation that halts contracts with the CCP, that uh, prohibits pension investments into CCP-controlled uh, uh, businesses, and many more that are banning TikTok. So Arkansas, Indiana, Montana, the list goes on, and it's really encouraging. Yeah, it really is. And it's moved like wildfire. It's amazing how quickly the movement uh, took root and it resulted in meaningful action. Uh, a lot of people will say, I remember Joe Biden back in 2019 saying China's not our competition, not our enemy, nothing to worry about there. And of course, most people at the time thought, well, that's not true. I know that not to be true. Now the warning signs are so much more pronounced and Americans are saying, what are the solutions? Right, we know the problem now. What are the solutions? Heritage Foundation, Heritage Action have put together a really remarkable plan. I think over 100 policy recommendations. Tell us a little bit about that and how that can be a guidebook for so many everyday Americans who want to get involved. Yeah, John, you said that so well. Uh, Americans have been aware of the threat that uh, China poses to our American security. But what do we do about that? And most Americans uh, feel a little bit in the dark as to how they can fight back and push back. So as you said, the Heritage Foundation released its 100-page paper filled with recommendations. There's no shortage of steps that states can take to fight back. And this ranges everything from some of the things we already talked about, um, banning TikTok, uh, uh, pre preventing our states to have contracts with the CCP right. or CCP controlled companies. Um, it also means supporting our allies over the sea, overseas like Taiwan, um, even bringing it uh, closer to home here, it means getting Washington spending under control and making sure that we have a strong economy. It means uh, making sure that our military readiness is where it needs to be so that China takes us seriously and that we are not um, a, a laughingstock to them or they think that they can uh, run all over us as uh, I think with the Biden administration is probably the impression they're getting. Uh, but this, all of these recommendations uh, for states and federal government to take uh, will help in securing our country. There is an extraordinary effort that Heritage Action has helped lead over the last uh, several months, and it's called environmental social governance. A lot of people don't realize it has its roots in a Chinese Marxist policy of creating a social credit score for every American. Do they meet the government's wishes in its investment strategy? And of course, that puts Americans' investments at risk. 
Heritage has done an enormous job pushing back in the States on that. But in pushing back in the States on these policies, they're pushing back a little bit in China as well, aren't they? Yeah, that's exactly right. Something that, you know, an acronym that uh, many people probably don't even know what it really means. And as you said, this is modeled after China's social score, where they're completely controlling everyone's lives. And here in America, uh, ESG is uh, companies that are taking your dollars and um, investing them against your values. They're not uh, taking their fiduciary responsibility uh, seriously or even uh, legally in, in many cases and instead are investing seen in um, policies that you don't agree with. They're pushing abortions. They're pushing things like um, green energy. And uh, we see that from the federal government all the way to corporations that uh, we're investing our money in. We're shopping and buying everyday items at um, the federal government's Green New Deal is a perfect example of this. And because they can't legislatively uh, push these priorities on the American people. The American people stood up and said no. Uh, now they're doing it through ESG policies, which is woke corporations forcing this on you, take, taking your dollars and um, putting them where your values do not align. Do not align. Yeah, it's remarkable. And putting your pension, your retirement, your investment returns at exactly risk is just, right. it's almost mind boggling. It's great to see so many states have jumped in and, and banned that from happening in their pension yeah, funds. And Kentucky, I will say, has the strongest example of this. Um, so if you're listening and your state needs to fight back on this, Kentucky has, has passed a great bill um, and the best way to fight back against ESG. Yeah, that's amazing. That just happened, too. So we got a great blueprint now. Uh, em emulation is a good thing in battles like this. Um, today, I want to ask a little bit about, all right, so we know the problem. We know we've made some early inroads with ESG and TikTok. Uh, we got an election coming up where, we, uh, uh, you know, electoral changes could actually further the policy. But over the next 12 to 15 months, what can everyday Americans do? What are some of the ta task lists, checklists that they should focus on to try to move this debate a little further along? I think there's two different avenues and you should be doing both of them. One of them is getting your own finances um, where they need to be. Call your bank, start watching where the money goes, look into the investments you're making, the companies you're spending your money at. Are they putting your money uh, where, you're, where it aligns with your values or are they supporting companies that are controlled by the CCP that um, support values that are not yours? And then the other is to continue contacting your elected officials. Our grassroots sentinels all across this country have sent thousands of calls, texts, emails to their lawmakers. And that has been the force behind getting these state bills uh, passed and signed into law. Um, so you can do that uh, from now and make it a conversation for the election so that when people are running for office, they know what it is that you care about and that you will hold them accountable for it. Yeah, I had a great opportunity to hang out with your Sentinels back in November. And it was such an eye-opening experience. The size of the army, the training, the know-how, and then the sort of the grassroots virality of, of when you get something going in a Sentinel program, it moves quickly and it has real impact. How can people quickly get involved with Sentinel program if they want to? Yeah, they are some of the best of the best of the best. You can go to Heritage Action backslash Sentinel or text the word join to 51776. That's 51776. There is an army of people out here that think like you. If anything that was shared tonight is something that concerns you, please get involved. We want to be a resource to you. I'm helping to uh, maximize your impact. 
Well, Janae, I've watched you maximize impact on some of the most important grassroots campaigns of the last several years at Heritage Action. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show and also just to watch you in action. Thanks for a good update on a very important issue with China today. Thank you. And on that note, we conclude yet another special report with great thanks to our sponsoring partner, Heritage Action for America. And remember, folks, you can get involved in the fight by going to Heritage Action's special website set up specifically to combat things like the ESG movement by visiting www.esghertz.com, www.esghertz.com. There you'll be able to learn how you can take additional action, gather resources to lobby your legislature and track legislation that could impact the companies you choose to do business with. Until next time, we hope that you have left you a little bit better informed about how we and our nation can work toward winning the new Cold War that China has recently begun. I hope that you have had a blessed night. And as my co-host Amanda Head and I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. Good night, America. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, you can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 98 98 right now.